Banging on a trash can. Strumming on a street light. That little voice be calling me, calling me. That little voice be calling me, calling me. What's up, y'all? You guys remember that song from Hey Arnold? I don't know if you do. Either way, great cartoon. This is Nick. I'm a broadcast manager over here at Sports Pack 12. And this is going to be the launch of the Nick Bartlett Show. You may know me from the Sports Pack 12 mailbags, the Dane and Nick Show, Oregon Sports News, and a variety of other publications. But I'm grateful to be here today. And this is a Sports Pack 12 original, so do not forget that. One thing that I really want to stress is we're all the same. And what I mean by that is, look, I have an opinion. You guys have an opinion. And my opinion is no more valuable than yours. I just like talking. Pretty much your run-of-the-mill sports show, just like every other show out there. But I may add a little tinge, a little twist, a little fire. You know what I'm saying? But seriously, thank you guys. Here to talk some Pac-12 sports. Probably a little bit broader topic in general with the cancellation of the season. So we're going to be talking sports in general. Thanks for tuning in as always. And without further to it, without further to it, without further ado, let's get to it, baby. How's everyone doing out there today? This is the Nick Bartlett Show, episode number three, and we got a truly crazy world out there with the wildfires, the pandemic, and who really knows what else at this point. I've seriously inhaled so much freaking wildfire smoke the past couple days, I don't even know if I'm a human anymore, but we're not going to focus in on all the craziness. Today, we're actually going to start off with the most boring thing ever, and I'm going to recap and analyze an interview I read with Larry Scott obviously commissioner of the Pac-12, and the interviews between Larry Scott and an unnamed reporter. You guys can look up the reporter's name. It's not hidden or anything like that, but that's what we're going to do. There are really some nice details and some kind of... He answers some questions. As I mentioned last week, how I was saying my opinion is one thing. Larry Scott's kind of voice holds a little bit more power. Turns out there's an interview, and we can listen to his voice this week, so really enjoyed that. That's going to be about half our show today. On top of that, we're going to discuss the Panay Wool transfer and the quality of football if the season does in fact take place. And finally, for Bartlett's topic of the day, I'm going to pay homage to Pac-12 and Cougar legend who passed away earlier this week. But starting off as promised, we're going to get into the nitty-gritty of the Larry Scott interview first. So, guys, after reading through this article twice, it's like an interview in article form, I seriously almost fell asleep both times. Just boring, boring, a lot of cliches, not good stuff, but... There was some really, really good information there, seriously. So I, I did decide to take some detailed notes, and I'll kind of give that to you now. So the gist of the interview is discussing how the Pac-12's partnership with the Quidel Corporation and essentially their rapid antigen test, which, which provides results in 15 minutes, how this changes the odds and a timeline of a potential Pac-12 football season. And it also helps to answer the question of whether football can be played in November. So coming straight from the source... He's got a lot of information, a lot of answers, and without further ado, let's get right into what he said in the interview here. So, first and foremost, Larry Scott stands by the fact that they made the right decision to postpone the, se- uh, to postpone the season, given the information they had at the time. And one point he brought up, and I really like this point, something that a lot of us fans really kind of may forget. One point he brought up is that a lot of people may have forgotten that California and Oregon schools don't even have approval from their local counties and public health departments to have practice. So football is not even an option in those states. I mean, not an option at all, not not even like a chance. I mean, no government approval, not a thing. So 
Again, even if the Pac-12 approved some sort of football season at this current moment, half the teams couldn't compete. That's half your conference. And the California schools, especially USC, I'm thinking in particular, there's some big money. So a lot of losses again, even if they try to start a football uh, season at this current moment. So it is interesting to note, however, because the state of California has approved practice for professional teams, but not amateur athletics. So Larry Scott kind of said... He stated he doesn't know the reasons why the higher bodies would say yes to pro sports and no to college, but he did acknowledge that universities and personnel feel similar about the care for student athletes, and we got a direct quote following, so direct quote, here we go. We feel a certain duty of responsibility, morally and ethically, that you might not feel at the same level for pro athletes. He then added, but I do understand why they look at college athletes different from professional athletes, because we have as well. So, I mean, I think that's really important to note these are still kids it's so easy to forget because they're so big but Larry Scott's kind of on the right at least from my moral perspective he's on the right page here so that's just my opinion we're gonna hop back further into the interview here so when asked if football could be played in November rather than January his response really could be kind of considered anticlimactic really a lot of cliches here he basically stated again that everything's up to government approvals. <laughs> no, no ish, <laughs> Come on, like, duh. But you guys, one thing that is very important to note, he did say one thing that really stood out here, and that at the minimum, he has more confidence that football could be played in January. This isn't anything definitive coming from the commissioner, but it's probably important to take notice. It, it, seriously, really, really take notice. Remember that line. It could be a sign of some good things here to come. And guess what, people? The Pac-12 is not following the Big Ten around like a dog on a leash. <laughs> uh, when asked if the Pac-12 and Big Ten could potentially start the season in November, he said, it's possible, but each of our late, each of our leagues will make independent decisions. And you hear that, people? Independent decisions. So the Pac-12 is still thinking for itself. That's very important. I think a lot of people need to hear that. Again, they're not just following the Big Ten around. He does think, though, that there are a lot of advantages to starting a season with the Big Ten, and that's really due to the opportunity of postseason ball between the two conferences. And for me, I like this a lot because even though it may be not, or excuse me, even though it may not be a national championship, postseason play adds a nice reward or goal to strive for instead of really kind of playing what could feel for like nothing. And so last year, as the head coach of a seventh grade JV basketball team. And like, again, it's 7th grade JV basketball. <laughs> Let me make that clear. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? But we did have a seeded game at the end of our season. And our guys really, they kind of vibe to it. They're like, oh yeah, we got a playoff game. And granted, they're 7th graders. But still, and they treated it like a playoff game. Came out, won a scrappy defensive battle. All credit goes to those kids, man. Seriously. Played some truly scrappy defense. But again, it felt like my players really liked this concept and even though the seeding game really didn't mean anything, I hope none of my players listen to this. I mean, in terms of, you know, like rankings and stuff like that or championships, but in our hearts, it meant something. But, you know, it, again, it just kind of created a really cool kind of thing for our players to strive for. Again, they kind of talked about like, we won our playoff game. So that's, I like where Larry Scott's going with this in terms of the Big Ten and Pac-12 trying to start a season together. Having postseason opportunities, that's big. That, that's big. I mean, you don't want to play like old school 1942 6-0 conference season with half your team's missing, you know what I'm saying? So, hopping back to the Larry Scott interview, essentially the big, 
the big, 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 big question was asked, and it reads, is there any way the Pac-12 could still be part of the playoff if the season starts in November? And he basically beat around the bush saying something along the lines of, we haven't thought about it yet, and that's something our football working group will take a look at next week. So to me, that sounds like a big no. I mean, you know what I'm saying? Like, he also stated in a separate question that the conference is focused on the safety, health, and well-being of their student-athletes, and the national championship isn't necessarily a pressing concern. So, guys, the national championship, if that sounds like a no. I mean, you want me to, like, lie to you or something? That just sounds like a no, as I just said. So, that is something to consider that the Pac-12 realistically probably won't be competing for a national championship this year. I really hope that football fans hear that and they can kind of analyze how they feel about that and what the season means to them. There also isn't any sort of timeline on when decisions are expected to be made. Hopping back to Larry Scott interview here, a direct quote again, he's uh, insert quote here. We don't have a specific timetable in mind for any decisions except for basketball. So yeah, football doesn't really seem like a, I mean, obviously it's important, but it seems like the safety, well-being, respecting the COVID-19 pandemic and now all this research and notes took place before the wildfire and all the crazy smoke I've inhaled. So, I mean, uh, considering that element now, it seems like there's probably a lot of other pressing concerns. Those are my words there. That's not Larry Scott. Hopping back into the interview, and I think this is pretty much kind of the end here. We're getting towards the end, essentially. He did raise one point that I think really solidifies what's important in life. He stated something along the lines of college football and basketball comeback and be as popular as ever in that this isn't an if thing, it's a when. And he pointed out this that this isn't like other businesses which may not survive the pandemic. So I think that he did a good grip on the reality of the situation. I mean, yeah, college football, college sports going to come back. There's always going to be athletic kids. There's always going to be, you know, national TV big time contracts wanting money. I mean, we all love college football. Whether the Pac-12 is playing or not, we love college football. Let's be honest, that's probably the reason you're listening to this podcast. I mean, I love me some Pac-12 hoops, but probably a little too early for that. But again, there's just so much more going on here. And again, it's just a reminder that sports are just a game. But I'll leave it at that and get back talking about sports because, man, I, I love sports. Man. I, I truly, I truly love sports. Truly love sports. Love me some video games. Love me some live sports. All that. But plus, anyways, guys, I've been kind of hopping around here. We do have an interview to conclude, so I tried to break up that interview with my commentary as best as I possibly could to keep it entertaining because it was dry, guys. I would not recommend reading it. I mean, if you really want to, go ahead, but again, just not. (laughs) I'm not going to read it again, I'll tell you that much. So in summary here, though, because I do want to get some clear points across after that whole nine-minute spiel, a couple takeaways, a couple key takeaways. First off, Football still may not be possible based off of government approvals, but it is important to note that one important piece of the puzzle has been solved, and it's a very, very important piece. However, there are still many other aspects that need to come together if we're going to have a college football season before January 1st. But again, that doesn't mean it's going to happen. That does not mean it's going to happen. So again, the key takeaways, football could happen based off government approvals. Just kind of got to wait for that. One very important piece of the puzzle hasn't solved in terms of the quick testing. And again, there are some other aspects that need to come together. So this doesn't mean that football is coming back before January 1st as of right now. So those are the three biggest takeaways I grasped from this interview. But we cannot end the segment without talking about the Rose Bowl. You know that. When asked about the granddaddy of them all, 
got one final direct quote and he said, it's very, it's very important to us. So that kind of gives you a clear indicator on how he's feeling about the Rose Bowl. Again, it's very, it's very important to us. So that was a lot. Hopping into the next portion of our show here, talking about the Panesu Wool Transfer and the quality of football and conference here. If you don't know who I'm talking about already, I'm referring to Panesu Wool. I think I just said that twice. Either way, you decided to opt out of the season for the NFL draft. If you're listening to this podcast, pretty safe to assume you know who he is. So we're all we're gonna skip all the awards and all the accolades and all that. I think you all know the long list, long, long list. But if for some reason you haven't heard his name, not really sure how that's possible. He's essentially a once-in-a-decade type talent and probably the consensus best offense alignment in the country. And that's not just a Pac-12 guy saying this. Seriously, he's that good. So for him, in particular for him, this decision makes financial sense, especially considering that he suffered a high ankle sprain in 2018, which caused him to miss six games. And I mean, he'll likely be a top five pick in the upcoming NFL draft. So I think Sewell leaving, um, excuse me, I'm going to grab some water. I'm going to grab a little bit of water here. No, I can't find my water. Screw it. We're going to keep going. We're going to keep going. So I do think Sewell leaving speaks for itself in terms of his impact on the field. But this leads me to a bigger issue here. If Pac-12 football does come back, how many elite players are going to be gone? You got Cal's cornerback Cameron Bynum opting out to, pre- to prepare for the draft. WSU's Tate Martin transferred to Oklahoma State. Obviously, LSU star wideout Jamar Chase decided to opt out and prepare for the draft as well. But hopping back to the Pac-12 players here, kind of going to focus in on a couple players. I was, as we said, the two aforementioned studs in their own right in Martin and Bynum. And if this trend continues, the quality of football in conference could be much, much worse than previous years. And I also didn't mention Arizona's linebacker Colin Schooler transferring out. That's a lot of talent, guys. That is a lot of freaking talent. More than maybe the average fan realizes. A lot of these players may not be the big name like Sewell, but Martin Bynum and Schooler, that's some serious notable talent. So right now, we're looking at a season which could have no chance of winning a national championship. Some of the best players in conference are missing. No fans. Limited practice time. Is this the kind of football we want, guys? It, like, is this the kind of football we want? You know, I've been reading a lot of that Larry Scott interview, just direct quoting. This is just from me, from the heart. Guys, this is going to be like some mid-major crap. And no disrespect to mid-majors, a lot of talented kids. But you're asking a lot right now. You're, you're asking a lot. Oh, oh wait, wait, wait a minute. Did I mention a pandemic? wildfires as of the last week and the recently discovered flying king cobras down in mississippi you guys oh you guys haven't turned the news and heard about the flying king cobra yet you guys you guys haven't heard about that (laughs) all right maybe i made the last one there 2020 being 2020 but i bet you guys questioned it for at least a second you guys are wondering if the flow bros wheel was real for a second flying around king cobra bite you snatch you in the neck real quick so in all seriousness with all this going on, and again, I'm trying to avoid kind of the pandemic wildfire stuff. We know we know what's going on in the world today. We already freaking know. But take that out of it for now. Just take that out of it. I mean, the quality of football is still going to be really bad. They're not playing for a championship. That has got to, on some subconscious level, kind of take away a little bit of the drive. A lot of players have the pure love for the game, but not all of them. 
Some of, some of them are there for the scholarship and the money. And there's nothing wrong with that. And on that topic, with no fans, those hard hits when you're losing in a football game, they hurt a little bit more. I never played football. I don't know. I like basketball. You don't get tackled in that sport. But I'm taking a wild guess without 30,000 to 70,000 crazy fans yelling that those hits hurt a little bit more. So we're really going to find out how much these guys love football. These aren't pro athletes getting paid. Their school might be getting paid for, but in terms of really setting themselves up a solid life besides for the top few, we're going to find out how much these guys really, really, really like football. So with all that being said, kind of obviously limited practice time as well. Some of the best players in conference, as I mentioned, is this the type of football we want to watch, guys? Is it? I, I don't know. Could we all be patient and wait a year? I don't know. I personally, I can wait, guys. I can wait to watch some high-quality football. I was watching LaVisca Chenault on like a Friday night last year make some crazy like touchdown catch with one arm. I don't want to see fumbles, mass, all that crap, whatever's going on. Not looking like a solid season right now if it started in any way, shape, or form. I say we just wait a year. So... That's my take on it, and we're going to hop into something a little bit lighter here. Well, actually, it's really not lighter. Sorry, I actually can't even like joke about this. So we are going to hop over to Bartlett's topic of the day, and now that I'm done grilling the Pac-12 Nation on uh, being patient, we're going to close this week's show, essentially talking about Bob Robertson. He's a Cougar legend, and you may have never heard of him, actually. I, myself, I'm a WSU alum. And I never knew the name until I stumbled across it in an article this week. So, again, today we're going to be talking about the passing of Bob Robertson, who is known as the voice of the Cougs. So, by all accounts, he was a hardworking, humble man and admired by our collective Pac-12 family. He may be most remembered by his iconic tagline that he used at the end of broadcast, always be a good sport, be a good sport always. And trust me, as Cougar fans, we we usually have to be good sports. That's a nice way of saying WCU fans are used to losing. I mean, used to losing a lot. So that's a very, very good tagline. Again, I really want to reread that one more time. So his iconic tagline, used at the end of broadcast, always be a good sport, be a good sport always. He also served as a reminder to us all that you can impact the athletic community without actually being an athlete. Many Cougar fans had a strong love and maybe even some sort of an emotional attachment to the longtime broadcaster. And beyond that, just like an elite athlete, I mean, his numbers speak for themselves. He was in the broadcast booth for 52 years before stepping aside in October 2018, was in the booth for 589 Cougar games, and here's the big one. He was voted broadcaster of the year 12 times in Washington State. I mean, that, that 12 times? Jesus, man. My dude was <laughs> clearly talented. He developed his, uh, his detailed style because of a random relationship, actually, with a kid hard to seeing. So, kind of paraphrased below from the article I read. A sightless youngster came and sat by him early in his career while calling high school basketball games, which made him very conscious of describing what was happening and creating a clear picture for the listeners or viewers. Look, in this day and age, that was a lot. I know people are trying to be like 100% politically correct. Essentially, 
seems like a blind kid came up to him in high school and he really took notice. He really cared for him and he really wanted to explain the game well. So he's detailed so the blind kid can understand it. That's beautiful. That is absolutely beautiful. It's not like this guy made it yet. He didn't have to do it. He's just kind of a high school basketball announcer. Does a lot about Robertson's character. So I think that's a really, really kind of cool background story and speaks kind of to his style and again about his character. And in closing, got one more story. This one's kind of a little bit funnier. He was such a good broadcaster that even those purple and gold people love Bob. I'm talking about the Huskies, obviously. To end this memoriam here, my memoriam, we'll tell a story about a hug between cross-state rivals. So there was a WSU Eastern Washington game in 2016. I believe it was in Pullman. Don't quote me on that. And essentially in the elevator, there was a cougar husband and he was married to a Husky wife. And uh, Robertson was in the elevator with them. And the Husky wife goes, oh my gosh, Bob, I love you. And <laughs> asked to, you know, get a big hug from him. And uh, obviously I'm, I'm, not, I'm not thinking that Huskies and Cougars be sharing uh, moments like that too often. So I think that really just tells about his character and how really loved he was in the state of Washington. Again, a true legend and rest in peace to Bob Robertson. And I think... One thing that people may not understand about Pullman, obviously we have the reputation as a party school and you'll hear me make fun of WSU a lot because I did party my ass off there, but I also worked really hard in school my second time there. That's a whole nother story. <laughs> Again, it is WSU, but it, it's something beautiful and special about the community and Robertson was one of us. It's just a community that's so accepting. I mean, doors are open for people. And it's like, if you're a Cougar, I can't say always because that'd be a bold statement, but there's usually an instant connection. And it's like, it's a small town feel. And I can't speak for other colleges because obviously I didn't go to other schools and graduate from other schools, but it's just, just nothing but love and nothing but passion. And it's a very balanced community in a day and age where everything feels so divided, just so, so divided politically, economically. I'm not touching on that further. My best example is Pullman is obviously in the middle of the nowhere. A lot of people would call it in the country. I must be getting emotional here. My hand's like shaking or something. Uh, essentially though, guys, it's in the middle of the country. So you have that vibe. But most of the student body is probably people from Western Washington or the Seattle area. So you have that vibe. So you have a very nice balanced country and city feel. And in our society, that just doesn't feel like it happens very often anymore. It's kind of sad to see. Everyone gets along, united by the Kug spirit, and it's truly a magical place. People may not get it, but when you're a Kug, you really are family. There's a reason why when people say, go Kugs, that holds true. People say it back. They feel that. They feel that energy. They feel that love. They feel that vibe. So we lost one of ours. I may have not personally known him in Bob Robertson, but did want to pay my homage to him, and if he spent as much time as I did in Pullman... Nothing but love, your cougar, respect from me to you, and rest in peace, family. So, in conclusion, in conclusion here, going to hop back to a little bit more boring stuff. One big piece of the puzzle has been solved in terms of the football season actually happening before January 1st. But as boring as it sounds, governmental regulations do have to be passed before college football can take place in our conference. Second off, if a season does take place in the Pac-12, how many good players will be around? The transfer, uh, the transfer of Panace Wool. 
along with the losses of Colin Schooler, Tay Martin, and Cameron Bynum. Just lost a lot of star power there. And rest in peace, Bob Robertson. You were a true legend, and your humble, kind spirit is still with us. And, of course, go Cougs. On that note, I'm out. And seriously, everyone, I'm not going to touch on it because I just want to have some fun talking about Pac-12. I love me some sports, as mentioned. But everyone, we all know there's a lot going on with the wildfires, the pandemic, and uh, whatever else you're going through this time. So seriously, stay safe out there. I mean that. One love. And you know you couldn't get out of here without me saying Cheetos and Tuna.